The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a goodbye Blake Snell edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and the Rays have done another Rays thing, devaluing one of their major stars in order to get their farm system a little bit richer which is something no one should ever, ever care about. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. Make sure to drop us a five-star review and a mailbag question for Christmas. We would be forever appreciative. Obviously, we are in that bridge between Christmas and the new year, the taint of the 2020 uh, season. I don't really know what this week is, but if you want to keep giving us presents, we will take them. Thomas, uh, welcome to the Thunderdome. The Rays just embarrass themselves again with a ruthlessly efficient move that theoretically is good only if you're a huge fan of raising banners for winning regular season titles. I would try to troll Rays fans and say Merry Christmas, but I think that this is probably exactly what they want. They want four more prospects who we've never heard of who are probably going to do something down the road. Uh it's upsetting because this now they've lost two of their best starters from last year that got them to the World Series. And upsetting. now apparently, yeah, Kevin Kiermeyer is now on the trade block, apparently, according to Bob Nightingale. So the Rays are clearly trying to slash payroll. It's definitely going to take a hit um, on the Yankees-Rays rivalry because Snell was one of the more vocal guys who kind of made it more fun. And I hate to say it, but this is a smart move from Tampa. And I know that we – I don't like when people – you know, blow smoke up their ass because, oh man, look what they're doing. They're, they're, they're trading someone at the highest value and uh, they're getting maximum return and it's going to pay dividends for years and it's going to save the, save their payroll. And it's like, they don't need to have a $40 million payroll. They just don't need to. This is a major league baseball team. This is the United States of America. I don't know why we're devaluing people. I don't know why we're constantly trying to, you know, make back, 
a return on every single dollar. Um, but this is where we are and this is what we're going to talk about. So um, actual Merry Christmas to Rays fans. I guess not so Merry Christmas to Yankee fans because we kind of crushed Blake Snell for the most part. I think he had like a four, six ERA against us in like 10 or 12 stars or whatever. But yeah, and sad because now it looks like it's just going to be the Blue Jays next year because the Red Sox are going to be irrelevant. I think the Rays are still going to be annoying. Probably, probably 80, 80 something wins, but they're not going to, they're not going to win the division after losing all these guys. And so it'll be the Yankees. It'll be the Yankees to screw this all up in 2021. So whatever. I was, I was expecting a little more boisterous enthusiasm considering that our two main rivals in the last, in the last 12 months, like it hasn't even been 12 months The the Mookie Betts trade was like February veering into March. But the Yankees haven't really done much in the last calendar year. And then they watched their two chief rivals. Uh, one of them got to the World Series on the strength of their pitching alone, and then they got rid of two of their top three pitchers. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, of course, the Rays are going to be able to plug and play somebody. They're going to be able to scrap to 85 to 90 wins. They're going to play effective baseball because that's what they do. They're going to bring some more clones up from the minors who throw 97 and look like creative players like Pete Fairbanks. Like there are, there's an endless supply of Rays in the Rays pipeline. And so obviously the Rays did well here for what the Rays do. Uh, But then again, you know, the rotation was Snell, Morton, Glass now. That was the reason they made the World Series. That was the reason they were so scary in a short series. And now it's just Tyler Glass now and four other guys. Uh, Yanni Chirinos is recovering from Tommy John. Everybody else is a reliever, turn starter, turn reliever, turn starter who comes in in the second inning. That's what the Rays do. And that's now the entire rotation, not just the back end. And the Red Sox uh, had a transcendent player in the division and decided not only do they not want to pay him, but let's, let's pack his bags a year early. So the Yankees went from having to deal with Snell, Morton, Glass now in basically every three-game series with the Rays into eternity. If, if you want to, you know, dissect why the Rays owned the Yankees so hard in 2020 specifically, it was partially because it was a 60-game season, and we joke constantly about how people were saying the Rays were perfectly built for a 60-game season, and apparently they were, a, a phrase that I found <laughs> meaningless but apparently it's completely true. But part of the reason for that is because the Rays were able to face the Yankees so few times that every time they faced them, they lied. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it. Grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. Ended up with Snell Morton Glass now, and we had Garrett Cole Tanaka question mark. So we had a worse top three of the rotation pretty objectively than Tampa did last year. And we had to see those guys over and over and over again, except for when Morton got hurt. Um, but that was the legit reason they were dangerous. Uh, and and the Red Sox had a you know a balanced offense, Xander Bogarts. Rafael Devers, these are good players, but the difference maker was the existence of Mookie Betts. And the Red Sox said, let's, let's level ourselves back up and get rid of that difference maker and that transcendent player. And the Rays said, what's our main advantage? It's a starting pitching. Okay, we can reset that this year. Uh, and then maybe by 2022, it'll be back and people will be chirping about the Rays again. But it's just crazy that a team would be on the precipice of the World Series and willingly shed, no matter what you think of Blake Snell, and the Yankees do hit Blake Snell, 
you know, and he doesn't necessarily intimidate me, but he certainly does intimidate me more than the mysterious one-inning guys who will be starting games in Blake Snell's stead because the Rays are not paying for free agents after making this move, and the Rays do not have a ready-made option at AAA who's going to step in and be equally effective. Um, so he, he is he, – whether he scares you or not, this is the Rays walking right up to the World Series, uh, taking Snell out too early in Game 6. Otherwise, they're probably in Game 7 of the World Series – and then actively deciding, no, we don't want to do that. And in fact, we would rather have a payroll $40 million below that of the Miami Marlins, the team that has previously been shedding the most payroll. The Rays are, are the greatest argument for a salary floor in baseball. I don't really care if they are a strong team and a good performer. It's still embarrassing for the game that they are leading the charge and are sort of the model that other teams want to emulate when it comes to building a mid-range winner that needs everything to go right in order for them to win a championship and and you know prioritizing profits over that title you know a title is the secondary goal winning a moderate amount while still making money appears to be the primary goal for the Rays and the Red Sox and the teams that are hiring Rays lieutenants I don't know how Andrew Friedman escaped Tampa and went to LA and actually operated with like the Rays player evaluation mindset but the big city spending mindset i don't know how he was the only one able to internalize both of those things but more and more teams want to be like the rays uh who signed blake snell to a five-year extension after uh before 2019 and ended up paying him three million in his first year an adjusted seven million in his second year because of the pandemic so you know 60 games worth of seven million and then by the time it got to 10.5 12.5 and 16 they decided, no, one of four recognizable people on our team is now too expensive. We're going to go with a clone from the closet. Uh, so even if it is worth you know, tipping your hat to them in terms of the scale and the money saved, it just shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be applauding the building of a farm system at the expense of the building of a roster. And then as soon as that farm system you know, gets its requisite 2.5 or 3 years in the majors, people are going to start calling the Rays again about trading for that wave of top prospects. I, I hate it. I hate it too. And look, I'm not as boisterous because I'm worried about what the Yankees are going to do. I don't really give a shit what the Red Sox and the Rays are doing. I mean, at the end of the day, it does matter because those are our chief competitors. But in my opinion, we should be better than those teams, regardless of who either of them are putting out there. And I don't really want to celebrate this because it is shitty. Although I'm going to sit here and I'm going to have to say it's smart because I'd be dumb and ignorant not to say it's smart. Blake Snell's been in the league since what, 2016? Rookie year was 2016. He's had one really good year, as we've discussed a million times on this podcast. It was his 2018 Cy Young year. Uh, 31 starts, 21 and 5 record, 1.89 ERA, 0.97 whip. Incredible. He was, he was unhittable. However, you look back on every other year he's had, he hasn't made more than 30 starts in any of those other seasons. His best ERA after that was his 3.24 mark in 2020, which was only across 11 starts. Guess how many? So this, it depends on what you view an ace as. I view an ace as like a Max Scherzer dude or a Garrett Cole guy. Ton of strikeouts, uh, length in games, throw very hard. I know Snell's a lefty, so he, I mean, he still throws hard, but that's not really his like defining characteristic as, as a pitcher. But 10.5 Ks per nine, that's not, like, overly impressive. He wasn't that great against the AL, to be honest with you. He got crushed against weird teams like the Tigers, the Royals, um, and, like, the Twins. 
uh, he was, and the, the Orioles kind of uh, knocked him around too. So you like look at his stats and it's kind of weird. This is the most telling for me. All right. His career 1.24 whip solid, nothing really spectacular. If you're looking for an ACE, you're probably looking for something closer to one flat 1.05 in my opinion. This is the biggest thing. 13 games of seven innings or more out of 108 starts, 13. And to me, if you are an ace, you are providing the length into the seventh and eighth inning on, you know, especially because most of the time in any given season, when you're pitching 34 games, you're not facing the best teams every single time. So you can afford to go eight innings against the Royals or, you know, eight innings against the Padres when they're not this version of the Padres. So also you could argue that that's a testament to the Rays system. They pull Snell early. We were laughing this year when the playoffs, when he, when they beat the blue Jays and he went like five innings, they took him out after he gave up a hit in like the fifth inning. And we're like, this is the ACE. I understand they have a stacked bullpen, but like, don't you want to rest those guys and like, just let your ACE go and, and deal five innings and you're going to take him out after like 60, 70 pitches because of some formula. And the Rays were smart because they signed him to this extension super early and they made sure to backload it. And the manner in which they backloaded it, bigger market teams or even mid market teams would view his $10.5 million salary, his $12.5 million salary and his eventual $16 million salary as a bargain for a guy of his caliber and that's how they can maximize the trade return. And then you also look at Snell's ERA rankings. Aside from 2018, when he was second in the league, 2019, tied for 42nd, 2017, t- uh, 31st, 2016, 28th. And then this year, you know, I'm not really counting this year because it was 11 starts. So I hate to say it's a great move. I don't think we know Snell's fully untapped potential. I think his one Cy Young year is potentially indicative of what he can do, but you know, to do that one in your five years doesn't really prove much to me. Maybe the Padres will unleash him to his true ace form. But like you said, the, I think the Rays suppressed the wages a little bit here. They paid him, they gave him a $50 million they get, you, you know, you look at $50 million and you're 24 years old and you're like, shit, yeah, dude, give, give me the money. So, and then you don't, you don't look down the road, you know, five years later when it's an absolute bargain. He's making, I think this year he was the 30th uh, highest salary among starting pitchers. So I think that they did a good job in positioning themselves to potentially be able to do this. I think it's a disgrace that they view $10.5 million as too much money. And now obviously Kiermaier is another is another victim of this. He signed an early contract extension and now the salaries are starting to get up there in the 10 to 12 to 15 million range. And the Rays are getting scared of paying that, even though these guys, this team is run by wall street schmucks. So I don't want to applaud it, but you have to look at the stats. I don't know anything about these prospects. You probably know more than I do, but anytime the Rays, but Hey, I guess the Padres did punk the Rays in their one trade with the, the Cronenworth deal last offseason. So maybe they screw them over again this time. I guess if there's any team and GM that I want to make a deal with the Rays, it's AJ Preller, who stays up all night and doesn't sleep and just is analyzing spreadsheets and the San Diego Padres. Yeah, Patino is really good. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not going to argue that the Padres didn't give up a prime prospect here. You know, but pitching prospects are the number one most bustable commodity. And the Padres have Mackenzie Gore and they've got Chris Paddock, who's still young, and Denelson Lamette in the rotate. Like, there's a lot of names in the rotation 
and there are even more, you know, young flamethrowing arms that the Padres have in their system. Patino is like a top 25 prospect in baseball. Good haul for Blake Snell. Um, you know, once again, the argument here, you know, from me, isn't that the Padres, you know, made a grave mistake in cutting bait with Blake Snell, who is some sort of transcendent, irreplaceable player. It's just the optics of doing this immediately after he led you to the World Series yeah. and just the, the churning of the names in baseball constantly. The fact that the Rays are sort of the idealized franchise because they're able to look at their roster and go, which inefficiencies can we pluck off? Who's getting too important? You know, who can we – Patino is not going to be as good as Blake Snell this year, and he's probably not going to be as good as Blake Snell in 2022, uh, whether we have a lockout or not, maybe in 2023. And just to think that we're constantly kicking the can down the road uh, and turning the Rays into a team next year that went from not only competing for a championship but being the favorite in the American League to now being a team that probably, unless a million different unrelated things we haven't seen yet go right, will not be in that conversation again. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about how this affects the Yankees because that is the team that we... Jamie's Log, Progressive, the Harrington's Backyard, Day 27, 3.33 a.m. 3.33, all those threes mean something, or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's Backyard for 27 days now, proving the Progressive has 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. Think I'm finally getting through to them. 3.33... Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Fruit for us. Stick around. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. So the, the main takeaway here, other than the fact that the Rays are McKinsey for baseball and are a money-grubbing franchise that are, are doing all that they can to ensure that we eventually tear this thing down to the nuts and bolts and, and maybe, get, maybe get a salary floor embedded before salary cap because it's starting to get weird. Uh, the American League is now, after you know the Yankees entered 2020 as the American League favorites, then smart money started to go on the Rays. Everybody who wanted to make a point started saying, don't sleep on Tampa. They're built for this, especially when it became a 60-game season. They're built for this sprint, and those people were correct. Um, but we have gotten to the point again where the pendulum is beginning to swing back. Um, the Yankees have to bring back DJ LeMahieu at this point. Um, their, their main rivals in the American League are the, you know, the Red Sox, who are taking steps back on purpose, the Rays, who just dismantled their rotation, the Blue Jays, who are probably a year away from being a serious threat with the currently constructed roster. Uh, the rotation still isn't there, and, and the prospects probably need another year to gel. They're going to be dangerous, but they're not going to be as dangerous this year as they will be in 2022. The Astros are losing Michael Brantley and Justin Verlander won't be there. And there are a lot of holes that, you know, we probably didn't see coming at a certain point. The A's, basically half the A's roster is free agents. The White Sox are, are you know, Tony La Russa, How is that going to mesh? You know, the Yankees and White Sox are probably the two most clear-cut favorites in the American League right now, which is crazy. Uh, but the Yankees need to bring D.J. LeMahieu back to cement their place in the American League after this Rays teardown. And they honestly need to do more than that because now is the time to stomp on the throats of their competitors. What say you here? And should we be satisfied if the Yankees just look around and look at everybody else's losses and think, yeah, we, we've done enough? No, I, I never think that. And that's why I wasn't, I woke up and saw the Snell trade and I'm like, great. Like we knew this was going to happen. Is this good for the Yankees? Sure. Do I care? Not really. Because A, I guess I'm a sadist. I like having 
fun, competitive storylines in the division. Seeing Snell go, obviously, I'm not devastated by it, but I'm like, oh, man, like, it was fun when he was talking shit and we were kind of kicking his ass and there was all that competitive back and forth between us two. Um, But I never view, and the Yankees shouldn't view it through the lens, oh, the Red Sox traded Mookie Betts last offseason, so, like, we're good. We probably don't have to spend money because we – we gained a we gained some sort of edge through their loss. No, you're competing with the entire American League. You're competing to make yourself the best you could possibly be, and you don't. That's being that's being reactive, and we don't. How many times we have to discuss? We don't agree with that approach in free agency. Um, the Rays are proactive in a shitty way, in my opinion. They devalue players to the point where they look at everybody as a dollar sign and they say, okay, well, what was he contributing? How did he fare? They're not viewing these people as human beings. They're viewing them as, oh, okay, how many wins am I getting for this guy's salary? And that's that, you know, Moneyball, very cool thing. Uh, I guess 20 years ago for whatever reason, but the fact that it's kind of taken over to this extent with this many teams is discouraging because remember human beings are playing this game, not a bunch of robots who are trying to, you know, get stick money in your bank account. It's not really how this works. I'm sure Blake Snell was a cool clubhouse guy. I'm sure he was great for morale. I'm sure he was um, entertaining and fun to be with. So that improves the team in some extent, but to some extent, but the Rays don't view it like that because they're, I guess they're, you know, they're the future. They're they're night. They're George Orwell's 1984. That's that's what baseball is is going to slowly <laughs> turn into. Um, but no, I think the Yankees still need to do what they have to do. I think they need to whatever maybe overspend. I don't know because look, the Rays are the Rays could still do something. I don't know what it is, but you look at the free agent market and they could still get their hands on a couple of starters. We were looking at the Red Sox kind of predictions for. Um, 2021 uh, I mean this offseason in terms of their roster for 2021 and Jim Bowden of the athletic projected that they would get their hands on Colton Wong um, Eddie Rosario and uh, shit who was the other guy Kike Hernandez yeah Kike Hernandez like that would be a good offseason for them and they would not really be an easy out remember Chris Sale's coming back for them Um, they're hopefully going to get some younger guys up and going in the starting rotation so that's why you can't be reactive. You have to be proactive. And yes, absolutely. DJ LeMay, you needs to come back. I don't know who else the Yankees are going to add to the rotation. I understand that it's not, it's very slim pickings out there. And you look at the trade market, you obviously are not going to, the Rays are not going to trade you Blake Snell. I don't think the Yankees really wanted Blake Snell anyway. No. That's not, not really a guy that they necessarily, I mean, I take Blake Snell. Is that somebody we need and to pay that premium for? I don't think so. Um, we've talked a, uh, we've talked a lot about the other guys that we prefer that we think would be a nice number two behind uh, Garrett Cole. But look, can you see Jeff Samarja going to the Rays and kicking our ass? I certainly can. Can you see Jose Quintana kind of getting a second, you know, back end of the career revival with the Rays? I kind of can. Can you see Anibal Sanchez going to the Rays and having a, a campaign like he did with the Nationals two years ago? I can. So I think the Rays are... Still going to do something. They already signed Michael Waka, which I think is laughable. Um, that's not going to do anything for them. But uh, isn't Yarbrough com- Ryan Yarbrough coming back this year? He missed last year, or am I, is that, am I completely wrong? He'll be back. Yanni Chirinos is the one who. Yanni Chirinos John. is back. I don't know when we'll see him though. I mean, he had Tommy yeah. John in the middle of last year. 
Yeah, so they uh, and they they had a lot of bullpen injuries last year too, so they're probably going to bank on having a stronger bullpen as well. And I think they're going to add one or two rotation guys at a cheaper price because a lot of these players on the open market right now are going to be looking for that one-year bounce-back deal to rebuild their value for 2022, hopefully when things stabilize and teams aren't being as cheap. So this is not the end of the raise by any means. So the Yankees continually need to be proactive. They need to figure things out with DJ LeMay. He was quickly as possible. And then they need to figure out well, I don't, we can get into the Yankees rotation in a minute, but for now, because I'll let you talk, I think proactive is the answer. DJ LeMahieu, number one, and then they got to figure out what they want to do with the starting rotation. Though, I don't think what they're doing right now is that bad. I'll yeah, the that. difference The difference is uh, you just, uh, if the Rays aren't willing to pay $15 million for Charlie Morton, are they going to be willing to pay 15 total million for Quintana and Samarja? I, I guess they really are going to have to dive into the back end of mm-hmm. the pool with Samarja type people because. If the Rays were to just give Jake Odorizzi his money at this point, like, you know, old friend Jake Odorizzi, that would be a lot scarier than anything else that they could do. Like, of course, they, they'd be able to replace Blake Snell or at least approximate him with several people on the free agent market currently. But, you know, just the, they'd have to actually do it. That's the thing. Yeah. Could they replace him with a, with a viable arm? Of course, but they'd have to actually do it. Um, now, the, the difference is, the Rays have planned depth at all times. So we know the, the main difference between the Yankees and Rays is if the Yankees were to trade Garrett Cole, the person stepping in for Garrett Cole would be just a complete question mark, would be a 12 <laughs> starter, would be like, like Michael King would get bumped into the rotation. And then if anybody had to miss a start at any point in time, it would be like Miguel Yahore or someone else who's, or like a 10 year veteran who's just hanging out at AAA, like when they used to promote Daryl Rasner. Um, like the people standing behind the Yankees rotation are honestly like 2008, 2009 level inexperienced right now, not in terms of talent necessarily. And you're not going to be seeing Sidney Ponson, but it is these complete question marks. And, you know, the, there, you know, you, you could, you could want to go with youth over veterans. You know, I obviously would rather see Clark Schmidt make a start than a Sidney Ponson type, but the people waiting behind in the Yankees rotation are, 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 you know, zeros in terms of experience level. Whereas the Rays have a lot of guys, or at least a plug-and-play system that they know they can rely on if they have to mix and match. There's a reason they're so comfortable dealing someone like Blake Snell. It's, it's terrible because of what it signals about the future of baseball, but yes, they are adequately well-prepared to do something like that. The Yankees should be shopping for one to two of those bargain arms in the rotation at the very least. Um, I don't know if Samarja is the solution here, and I don't know if you're just trying to block the Rays from getting someone like Samarja, but the more names who you are able to turn to, especially in the event of trauma, and if a starter struggles to be able to go to Clark Schmidt is so much more important and impactful than if Clark Schmidt struggles and to have to go to, uh, I don't know, Chad Green or, or someone opening a game who has no interest in opening a game. Yeah, I guess it depends on what, how you view the guys out there right now. Cashman talks a lot about exercising patience. I didn't like his comments the other day about kind of being fine if they don't get LeMahieu or a starting pitcher heading into the 2021 season. I think you need one of those. I don't necessarily think you need both. The preferable scenario is you get DJ back. And I don't think it's really a terrible idea to go into the season with Cole, um, Montgomery, Herman, Garcia, and Schmidt. Why? Because this offense, assuming you get LeMahieu back, 
is more than capable of keeping this team afloat for the first couple months of the season. What will this do? It will allow the coaching staff and the front office to evaluate the arms that they have in the starting rotation to determine if they will be able to a last for the rest of the year in that role, b be a future part of the organization or c be a trade asset when the time comes. So assuming I think you're looking at the worst case scenario in which everybody behind Cole sucks and then you're in trouble and then you have to make a blockbuster move before the deadline. Then you're looking at the mid scenario where it's like, okay, Cole and then two of those other dudes are good. Cole is the ace. And then two of those other dudes are good. Probably I'd say the absolute ceiling is one of those guys is a number three. And then you're looking at a very stable number four, number five. And then you're looking at best case scenario, which I don't think or anybody think is going to happen, is where you have a very suitable starting rotation with all five of those guys, and then you have Luis Severino coming back. So technically you have a six-man rotation. The reason why this, I don't think this is the end of the world, it is the end of the world if they don't bring back LeMahieu. It's not the end of the world if they do bring back LeMahieu because you have these guys, you have Luis Severino coming back, and you have the offense capable of backing it up. If the offense wasn't this star-studded group who, as of right now, we can assume everyone will be healthy aside from Gio Rochella, who might be a little bit delayed uh, starting the season because of his elbow injury. But if everybody else is fine, you're looking at a team that is going to probably knock the socks off of most of their opponents. And even a bad start from a couple of these dudes is really not going to matter. We've seen how many, t- you know, we saw that year where Herman had what a four point two ERA and he got 19 wins. Like it doesn't matter if this offense is hitting home runs and getting walks and constantly threatening every inning, they're going to get to the other team's bullpen. They're going to eventually break it down. So you look at it that way. And yes, the Yankees don't have the most formidable depth and depth and they don't have somebody ready to step in for Blake Snell, like the Rays might. Um, but if you look at it from that lens in terms of not jumping the gun now and, you know, throwing a ton of money at Trevor Bauer or, doing something like this and giving up, you know, four top 10 prospects for a pitcher that you're not entirely sold on. And you're just doing it to uh, placate the fans and show that you have a formidable starting rotation and a world series contending rotation to start the year. I would agree that that's irresponsible. I would also agree that there perhaps needs to be a little bit more proactivity here to determine what exactly the needs would be and what exactly the plan will be. If, DJ is brought back and there's no other solutions elsewhere because there needs to be solutions elsewhere. Yeah. And that's why the the home runs and backing the rotation with as much offensive juice as possible is why I'm not even entertaining trading Giancarlo Stanton to, to, you know, eliminate some sort of financial pipeline that the Yankees are currently indebted to. Um, The best version of the Yankees includes Giancarlo Stanton in the cleanup spot. And I understand that fans may be frustrated with his absence uh, me too. It's not fun to see him gone, but the reason it's not fun to see him gone is because the roster is at its peak when he is helping to produce runs for an elite offense that hums one through nine, rather than relying on bats like judge to pick up all the slack because Stanton is gone and, you know, Sanchez isn't hitting and there's, you know, a fourth outfielder or a fifth outfielder playing every day. And Tyler Wade is in the middle infield. So uh, that's my hot take. The Yankees should be able to survive by absorbing Giancarlo Stanton's contract because they are not the Rays and the Yankees economic model is the, you know, is it perfect? Do the Yankees drag their feet in the mud sometimes when they should be paying players? Sure. But in an ideal world where players are accurately rewarded for the services they provide, the financial model should look a lot like the Yankees payroll and a lot 
less like the raise payroll than it currently does elsewhere, where the people in the front office are con constantly looking for new solutions once one piece becomes too well-known or singular. That is it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast in which we uh, pick apart the morals of baseball in general, kind of. Uh, a hilarious podcast, for sure. Uh, I can't believe the Rays are I, – I really can't believe the Rays did that. I can't believe they set us up like that. And I can't wait to see it, you know, moderately work and then have the rest of baseball cheer and applaud them in the same way they did when Mike Brasso's homer hit the left field seats. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Well, I'm not that romantic about Rays baseball because a couple months later they cut everybody who their fans enjoyed. Uh, it's only a matter of time for G-Man Choi. When does he hit arbitration? Uh, that's it for this edition of the podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcast, drop us a five-star review. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call Seabus Seatown, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in Seabus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh so refreshing. You in a mailbag question, if you wouldn't mind, we would love to answer them. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and please, when you grow up, really try not to be the Tampa Bay Rays because it's not fun, it's boring, and you're devaluing everything that's important, and it's not it's it's dehumanizing most of all so until then on that happy note we'll see you on wednesday hey we will see you on wednesday be humans progressives home court explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies now that we've covered something you could do it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do if you were head coach you would not have gone for it on fourth down your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans but you definitely can use progressives home court explorer to easily compare rates coverage for progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers comparison rates not available in all states or situations Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.